Welcome to the Creative Land Podcast Network. Join us as we share our favorite RPGs, one-shot games, tabletop games, reviews of items, and convention panels, and other exciting things that we run into from time to time. Sit back and enjoy the show. Hi, this is Kelly, a.k.a. Trixie from Ragnarok and Roll, a sign to Ragnarok story, and Tilda Wimblewick from D&D Journey of the 5th Edition. First off, I would just like to say thank you to everyone for listening to our varied adventures, as well as for rating us on iTunes and RPGpodcast.com. If you haven't rated us yet, we would greatly appreciate it if you could. And if you're looking for more ways to support our efforts, we are now on Patreon, a great site where you can help us continue making more podcasts, as well as some special surprises for our patrons. If you can, please look us up at www.patreon.com cppn. Every little bit helps. And again, thank you for listening. Thank you guys so much for coming out. Uh, this is a really good turnout. I, didn't know, I did not know what to expect at all from this uh, convention. Like I said, this is my first convention in two years. Welcome. Welcome, everybody. I know that we all have really been looking forward to this moment, you know, not just us. So um, thank you guys for coming out and listening to us talk about some stuff. So today we're going to talk about uh, what primal terrors are untapped uh, in horror. Um, and so horror has always been sort of a um, uh, genre that has been used for social commentary, I mean, since the, since the beginning, you know. Uh, and so there are um, a lot of allegories that are used in horror and uh, a lot of stories that can be told in a way that you can't necessarily get away with um, in other, you know, like if you told a straight horror story about, like, um, you know, school shooting or something like that. You can't really get away with that these days. But if you do it in, under the guise of like a horror movie about kids exploding, you know, like you can do that. People will watch that, you know. Uh, so uh, today we're going to talk about some of the untapped, um, you know, primal terrors that, that are out there. Uh, my name is Brian Haas. I am a film programmer at uh, Film Bar in Phoenix. I've been a film critic for almost 30 years now long freaking time since the last century uh you know that's how long ago that was uh when we typed it you know um and um i host the uh, bs movies podcast uh, with my co-host shelly who's not here today um she is um, enjoying phoenix weather right now like to... Sure. <laughs> My name is Tom Deedy. I write um, primarily speculative fiction, straight horror. I've recently re- released my first young adult horror novel, which is the first of a trilogy. Uh, my first novel, Haven, won the Stoker Award in 2016 for Best First Novel, which is quite thrilling. Um, and like we said, I'm thrilled to be here. This is my first convention in two years as well, and I miss doing this and talking about books and horror and meeting new people. So thank you, everybody, for coming out. Yvonne? I'm just so proud to be here. (laughs) (laughs) Anyway, yeah, this is my first one in two years, too. I'm Yvonne DeBarrow. I've written a little bit of everything, but horror is always, first and foremost, always my 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 first and foremost and always love. Um, First novel was a vampire novel and uh, 
apocalyptic vampire novel, and you pretty much don't get any horrifying than that. Um, but it started off where the vampires had already won. Um, and I, you know, I still like, um, I still like just just pure horror. Although I've written science fiction, I've written thrillers, I've written a lot of tie-ins and stuff. Um, but I have plans. I have so many plans. We do. We all do. <laughs> Um, and so, like, one of the things that I sort of feel is, like, really untapped right now, um, and there are certain aspects of it that I, I do think are covered well, but I think mental illness um, is just now starting to get to the point where, like, people are having real conversations about it, um, and it's it sort of losing the stigma that it once had, um, and I have seen... I think suppression does sort of get um, a little bit uh, better representation um, in terms of like uh, movies, but like um, I was thinking like I can think of movies that can cause anxiety, but have you ever really seen a movie that's sort of about the the processes of what anxiety's like? You know, from the you know it's your own brain attacking you essentially. Um, like I don't even I I just sort of have like mild anxiety that's been brought on from. Like just basically everything that's been going on over the last several years, um, and I don't know how people like deal with this. This is fucking intense, you know. It's like you get the flight or fight response, um, and so like you either sort of like shut down or you lash out, you know. And um, I don't think that I've seen anything that does that specifically, um, or like. I've never seen a representation of disassociative disorder that isn't like somebody evil being portrayed. You know, like, um, I mean, this is a real thing, right? You know, and obviously it's a, a nice ploy to use as like a, a gimmick in a, a, a book or a movie or something like that. Um, but like, that's what I often see is like mental illness is equated with evil, you know, and there's so many people that are mentally ill out there, you know, um, it's something that a lot of people share. Um, that um, I would like to see better representation of that. Um, I, it, and it's getting better. It is getting better, don't get me wrong. Um, you know, it's not like, um, I mean, I, for the longest time, that, that was the only connection with mental illness or evil. And it's starting to change the conversation a little bit now. But um, I haven't really seen anything like that. And I would love to see people explore that more. Because that's what I really like about horror um, specifically. Because I too often, you know, go to. All the, I love every genre, right? You know, like I can watch silent movies to, you know, like post-apocalyptic, you know, um, '80s Italian movies. From the highest highs to the lowest lows, um, and like I just want to see some, you know, yeah. And uh, <laughs> horror consistently shows me things that I don't see in like any other medium, and. Um, like because of that, I think that's why I keep coming back to horror the way that I do. You know, um, you know, because like I, I do have sort of like a, um, uh, a more like um, professional sort of you know, um, understanding now or attitude or whatever. But like it's still something I keep going back and you know like, you know, have you seen this piece of trash that's really quite amazing? You know, you made for no money in 1981. You know, where you can catch up and stuff. You know, so. Um, because like they have to be, you know, um, creative about what they're doing, and that's, I love that about it. I like the point you raised about mental illness. Uh, I I do think there's kind of a sad um, habit 
in a lot of films at least. I don't see it as much in books, but in films to use the mental illness as a gimmick to, you know, kind of simulate the unreliable narrator. Right. You know, is, is, is this thing really happening or is this person just, you know, mentally ill or pick, pick your name for it. So I, I would like to see, as you mentioned, better representation and more realistic representation of, of different mental illnesses. Yeah, I think I think it's a crutch where they use it um, where, it, and it's not necessarily evil. You right, know, the right. person who is mentally ill or supposedly mentally ill who is seeing these things that might be evil, but the person themselves, he, he or she is not the evil thing in right. what they're seeing, but no one believes them. Right, right. Exactly. Know, And I, I can't remember the name of the movie that Lex and I watched. It was, it was a heavy into religion and how this one this one um, woman kept seeing these religious things and and it kept switching back and forth and back and forth. Oh, and Saint Maud? Yeah, yeah, and I was so disappointed in the ending um, when they switched back and forth at the ending. Mm -hmm. I thought they should have just chosen the one spectacular yeah, um, but no, they had it because they just weren't. It's like they weren't sure about themselves. Yeah, um, just there's a lot of that. I think there is a lot. You know, it's just an art in general. Um, just not a hundred percent certain what you want to say. That's why so many movies are good but not great, or you know, great but not perfect. You know, um, and so, but the, that's not necessarily a bad thing. Like, there's a lot of movies that I like because of their flaws. You know, there's. I'm like, I was just talking about the Italian movies. Like, the, there's flaws all over that. They don't, you know, continuity or, you know, like, yeah, I don't care about that. Does it look good? Oh, it looks good? Fantastic. Let's just, you know, run with it or whatever. Um, another thing that I haven't really seen that I think uh, is very relevant right now is, like, dramatic change in, um, like, societal standing, right? Because there has been sort of this real shift in, you know, like, the haves and have-nots, you know, I don't, I don't know how else to really, you know, put it, but, like, there is this really huge gap, and, like, I think a lot of people are struggling with coming to terms with that, you know, and, um, like, how to sort of, like, maybe counterbalance some of those things, uh, and I'm not pointing a finger at, like, any side here, right, because both sides are guilty of this, you know, um, so uh, I don't want it to turn into, like, some political thing or anything like that, but, um, yeah, I haven't really seen anybody explore that aspect of it. You know, we get post-apocalyptic all the time. I'm so bored of post-apocalyptic, right? Um, you you better do something really fucking cool um, when you're doing post-apocalyptic. I'm just gonna tune it out because it's just like, it's, how many people have done that? It's like, it's such a, you know, it's like, um, it's tried almost, you know, like I'm, I'm tired of that, um, that genre convention. Like I'm, I want that to be gone. Um, and so, like, think of it in a different way, you know. Or if you're going to go post-apocalyptic, you know, go something besides zombies. Oh my god, there's so many zombies today. Oh, um, you know, some of them can even be seen in films. Yeah. Um, so yeah, um, like societal standing, I think is something. Like, there's a really great movie called Snowpiercer, and there's a television series that's been sort of adapted out of that. Um, that I think does really do a great job of like, you know, um, a very sort of a straightforward analogy of like, you know, um, your societal standing. It's a really great movie. It's the same director who did Parasite, uh, Bong 
Bong, uh, Bong Ho. Yeah, thank you. Uh, Bong Joon Ho, uh, who's a great director. I mean, all of his stuff is great. So, you know, um, there's uh, a movie about a giant pig um, called, uh, <coughs> I forget what the name of that one is. Um, but he's been making movies for many, many years. Um, there's a reason why he won Best Picture. He's been honing his skills for many years. So he's been very good at like weaving that societal stuff into the, the narrative of what he does for sure. So like all of his stuff. Go go check out all of his stuff. <laughs> yeah. I got the impression that post-apocalyptic deals with bring society and the people back to a more earlier way which emphasizes the difference in the haves and the have nots mm -hmm. as far as physically they're in charge the haves are in charge and it's more of a like a primitive type of society because everything's been so stripped yeah yeah oh yeah definitely um i definitely feel like there's aspects of that for sure um but like i'm just a little i just want to see it explored differently i guess you know like i feel like that has been done so many times there's a lot of things that have been done so many times that i just wonder like why unless you were saying something really unique about it why are you revisiting this you know um and so something people love yeah i mean it's people love you know a nice ending where uh, everybody dies you know and there's like five people left and they all get to fight out mad max style or whatever there's a, yeah. So what you're doing on Squid Games next? There's a sort of have versus have not. So it's really funny. I haven't started Squid Games yet, um, which um, I'm doing a binge um, epi or episode uh, panel uh, tomorrow. Um, and uh, I already know that I love it, and it's great. I mean, like South Korea does the best. They're just, I mean, I've been talking about South Korea for, you know, the last 10 minutes probably. Um, and so there's a really great movie called Battle Royale. Uh, from yeah. 2000 that has Pete Takashi from Japan, who's a actor and director um, who's very, very, very popular in Japan. Um, that uh, it's the, the whole idea behind it is uh, Japanese society's gotten so out of hand that they pick one class of like ninth graders and they're like, okay, we're taking you to an island. There will be one person alive at the end of this. Everybody kill everybody. And you know, and they're like, "Oh, you don't want you don't want to participate? Well, we'll kill you instead." So, like, those are your options: participate or die. You know, and so um, I know Squid Games has similar, not quite that. I know that there's some, you know, like other aspects that are involved in that. Um, but yeah, I, I love the idea of that. And so I haven't watched Squid Games yet. I know the basic premise. Isn't it kind of like The Running Man that Stephen King wrote? Decades ago, <laughs> not the film, Elements but the actual story. Yeah, totally. Yeah, there's definitely elements of it because what it is is the folks who are deepest in debt, right? Mm -hmm. And it's like here's your chance to get out. Exactly. Of yeah, it sounded very similar when I heard. Yeah, the I mean, but the first but, time that they go into it, they don't know what they're getting. Right. They don't know what they're getting into. The but the second time, time they do. Yeah. And they do it anyway. Uh, yeah. Um, I mean, there's a story called the lottery um, that I don't know. Yeah. <laughs> Thank you. Uh, oh, I thought you were kidding. No, that's over here. Yeah. Um, that's for, you know, the lottery. I mean, there's a doctor who does similar sort of, uh, you know, uh, 
like the I concept that gets revisited. But yeah, it's harder to do when you take them. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah. yeah, it's interesting to see the different takes. Yep. It. Yeah, it's like you said, Hunger Games is another one um, that was super very popular, uh, which probably really paved the way for Squid Games to have the success that it has. Um, that has been one of the really nice things about streaming is that people are starting to stop look at you know like they don't care about the subtitles or as much or they'll just do the dubbed version if you want to be real basic about it you know or whatever um, but um, like I think they're finally looking past that and seeing that there is this wealth of entertainment out there that the whole world provides you know that you know I think I've been lucky to sort of been uh, exposed to that over the last several decades through like my film criticism and stuff like that but I think other people are starting to catch up to that now because it's so widely and easily available like these are things you had to really look for you know before and now it's like there's 500 of them right there you just press and play Um, so we uh, definitely have like some time here um, and uh, I mean there's definitely other things that I want to talk about too um, like right now I think um, the loss of personal connection is something that I would like to see explored um, I don't know if you guys have seen uh, the Bo Burnham inside special anybody a couple okay so I think that was a really great you know um, look at how the pandemic is affecting like a single person and like it felt very um, meaningful and relevant um, because like you know it was just everybody sort of you know especially at the beginning when you didn't really know anything that was going on you know we're just like throwing things out there and seeing what sort of sticks to the wall um, and so um, I haven't really seen the, the loss of personal connection I've seen some interesting um, uses of like things like Zoom, uh, for instance, like um, with Host. Host is a movie on uh, Shudder. Um, I would highly recommend it. 60 minutes long, so not asking for like a huge time commitment or anything, um, but like a group of girls get together to, do, to perform a seance over uh, Zoom and some shit goes sideways, basically. Now that's on Shudder, so like, if you want to watch it, it's really easy to um, what uh, what about you guys? What do you think is something that might be or open up to you guys? And yeah, I, I mean, I think one thing the pandemic it, and it doesn't explore the isolation as much, but I've, I've seen at least in film a, a rash of I think movies that were filmed specifically like Host, mm -hmm. where there are very few characters, the the action takes place somewhere isolated, and I, I feel like it was a result of the pandemic. Trying to keep, you know, not not have large yeah. gatherings, and yeah. so it, it it's kind of a an offshoot of the isolation that, that this kind of subgenre came up as the wind. There's um, the dark and the wick. There was a whole bunch of them that came mm -hmm. out as Netflix and Shutter originals that were pretty interesting. Yeah. For me, honestly, I've had enough of isolation. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I don't want really to see anymore. I know. Movies I know. like that. Um, I, I am a really big fan, and what I think is, is underexplored um, is um, the psychic. Like, I mean, it's it, it been now and then, you know, you, you have it, but I just, to me, that is such. That is that is a, a an area of, of 
poor daily life, whatever, that is so underexplored. You can do so much with it. Um, and, and maybe uh, the, maybe it's just me. I just I love the whole idea. You know, not that you can just sit back and read everybody's mind. I mean, you're just you're just gonna go insane that way. Um, but but that you can see only certain things or bits and pieces. Um, I one of the way back when this was in the '80s, I read a book by Maxine O'Callaghan, um, Dark Something. I can't remember it. But it just made such an impression on me, and I just loved it. And I love the um, the series that um, what's your face starred in. Uh, yeah, I can never read it. I, I take terrible tests because I'm the type of person. <laughs> it was that one, that one. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, Medium. Yes. Thank you. Thank you very much. I love it. I just loved it. I love yeah. the idea that that that. You know, you can see bits and pieces that are clues. It's like it's like a mind mystery. Yeah. You know, instead of instead of like finding physical clues, and you're like, why can't I just? It's like me hunting for that word. Yeah. <laughs> oh, I just I love the idea of being able to do something. I, I like love that. the concept of that in the dead zone, mm -hmm. where it was yeah. a physical touch that you needed right. to, to right. get the vision. Right. And that was really well done. I mean, even you. Remember Babylon 5 where, where they had the gloves on? Yeah. And took the gloves off. Yeah. <laughs> That's interesting. Yeah. They actually they they did a little bit of that in um, the recent Haunting of Hill House. Mm -hmm. Loved the, it. The characters that oh, wore the glove it. all the time yeah. because yeah. of that. Exactly. Yeah. 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 Do, you, do you think the uh, psychic is not being addressed as much because there was a time where it seemed like everything? See, I, if there was a time where, the, where it was everything, then I missed it. I did not get enough of that. I'm sorry. I just did not get enough of that. Clearly, I'm, I'm, I'm just challenged or deprived. Yes. I was going to say, I think accuracy matters with it, too. We, we do get a lot of psychic It's kind of like mental illness, where it's portrayed yeah. in such a, such a way to just justify my plot instead of and then it's it's like treated it. the same way as mental illness. Mm -hmm. No one believes it, right. or him. Even when it's proven that you know, here's this this thing, and I showed you where the body is. When did you kill her? You know, even though I'm sitting here on a panel, and she was killed while I'm on a panel, but I know where the body is, so somehow I must have teleported, killed her, and come back. Or maybe I killed her while I ran out by some more. And the same, the same concept goes for like seances as well. That, um, and that's been explored a lot. It's been done, but it's very similar, right? I mean, it just depends on where you're getting your supernatural information. I think my problem with seances is that it always seems to turn out the same way. Yeah. <laughs> with, with something psychic, yeah. you could do so much more than that. You have so much more potential. In a seance, you call up something evil, they kill everybody and try to take over. <laughs> <laughs> seance is limiting, but yeah. Yeah, go ahead. So, like, I'm curious how to go to, or sometimes like the 70s are involved, other kinds of changes, sometimes it's the, the 1920s or whatever. Mm -hmm. What are your thoughts on time periods being invoked now? Uh, I mean, I'm always good, uh, down for a good period piece. Um, like, if you. 
it's going to make what you're doing easier. I understand why some people do it. Um, like a lot of people want to set things in the 70s, 80s, 90s now so that they don't have to worry about cell phones. Yeah. Um, I'm one of those. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I have a novel that I've been working on for a long time and yeah. I finally want to finish it and I, I looked at it and I was like, check out something disappear nowadays. I think I'll keep it right. where, where it was when I started writing it. <laughs> right. right. Yeah, so I was talking to one of my readers and I'm like, oh man, don't give me another piece on the top of the evening again. Because they're so tired of certain times. Yeah. Um, so that's just one person's opinion. What is, what is the zeitgeist now? But see, that's, well, that's, that's I mean, how you Well, I mean, the zeitgeist now, I think, is that um, people are afraid to do original properties, right? And mm -hmm. so, like, they want something that is already like something else. And mm -hmm. so... Uh, that's why you see like the Fear Street stuff, right? Is a good example, of this, which I really liked, right? Don't I'm not run down the Fear Street uh, movies at all, but like they wanted to set that, you know, like I forget, I think it runs 60s, 70s, 80s. It's the way that it ran, or maybe it's 70s, 80s, 90s. I don't remember exactly. Yeah, right. Well, they they mess around with the timeline, which I always like when you jump around in the timeline. Um, if you can do it well, if you can like. <laughs> If you're just like jumping around and nobody can follow it, then yeah, it's terrible. Um, but like, you know, everybody is just terrified of doing anything that's new. That's why there's some eleven Fast and the Furious movies. You know? um, <laughs> which I like those too, right? Don't, I'm not putting those down either, right? Um, I didn't get on board until like five or six. Whenever The Rock came on, that was when the Fast and the Furious movies happened for me. Um, but um, so if you're gonna do something that's not like a direct adaptation um, or um, like something that's like a sequel or a remake. You want to do something that's similar to those things that's going to, you know, sort of evoke those same feelings. Um, and nostalgia is a very powerful motivator for a lot of people. Um, I mean, that's why you see the same things come around every 20 years because, like, the parents want to share it with their kids. You know, like, Masters of the Universe is coming back around again, you know. Um, there's like all these things that are sort of uh, jumping back um, where it was like they were popular in the 80s and then they were popular for a minute in like the 2000s and then you know now we've got another generation so we can bring it back again you know and the people that liked it when in 1980 they're gonna sit there and watch it with their kids or their grandkids you know and like they can all sort of enjoy it or whatever so I think that's why specifically they keep throwing it back to that stuff because they just want stuff that's like reminiscent of what Tom, is there something that you think is under tapped? What do you think is under tapped? If we're sticking to straight primal fears, I think the, the death of the ego or the shame and humiliation is a primal fear. Everybody has a fear of... And you feel like this is under tapped in the movies? It, it is, and it's, I think it's a difficult fear to tap. Like, how do you tap the fear of somebody who's, you know, afraid to do public speaking, for instance, or... Um, you know, whatever whatever it is that causes people shame or humiliation, it's difficult to project that out because it's a very internalized fear, I think. I, I, I will say that, that I have, um, in watching a movie or a show where someone is shamed or publicly... <laughs> Someone's cell phone goes off yeah, in the middle shamed of Shamed or publicly humiliated... I mean, if I've connected with that character, it's really hard for me to watch that. Yeah. Right. I mean, it's just, it's, 
even when I say it's just fiction, it's not real. It's so painful for me to watch someone else being publicly humiliated right. or shamed. I think that's just an earmark of good writing. You know, like well, I don't think so. I think I think that it has more to do with maybe something that each person has gone through in their life, well, and yeah. I think it taps into that. Oh yeah, it'll it'll touch different people different ways for sure. Yeah, absolutely. But I, you know, I think one of the easiest primal fears to tap into is the um, loss of autonomy, or being, either being paralyzed, or being trapped, or buried alive, or um, there's a dementia. million of them. Dementia is a good one that I think is undertapped as a way to express that primal fear, I guess. But you know, there's there's just so many. The girl next door, um, yeah. Gerald's game. Yeah. Like somebody's trapped somewhere and bad things are happening. I mean, it's kind of, it's almost easy to do. Now, I, I don't want to turn this into political or feminist, but that is a fear that most women experience all the time, especially when they're young. Yep. Mm -hmm. And doesn't that tie into something that's a real world thing happening today? And that's the, the kind of effects that happen. social media mm -hmm. has had on especially teen girls. Mm -hmm. And so that that there you get into the publishing. There there's a yes. way to that that's is being expressed. Kind of synonymous with bullying. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah well and bullying's and another another form of that. So there's there's your public humiliation, there's your public shaming. Yeah. But it's under tapped. Yeah. I mean, what yeah. I, I can't even think of an example yeah. of it, really. Sort of to like the loss of connection, too, you know, where you sort of portray this like the online, you know, and it's very different than the actuality of like the day to day. People get to see the best and brightest of you know, well, I have, Tom, I have, I have seen it. I have um, seen it in several books I've read recently. Okay. The, the, the Facebook thing beyond you need to tell me those. I need to read them. <laughs> <laughs> right now, what are the names? <laughs> <laughs> Send me a Facebook message because I keep track of I'm sorry? Tom Levine. Tom Levine. He's a local author out of Mesa. And okay. He's written several YA novels about just that. About um, the difference between your online life and your real life. Okay. Send me a Facebook message. I keep track of Not really horror, but. One of the things I'd like to, to see more of and that I've gotten into lately is tapping into, and it's hard to do if you're not of the ethnicity, but ethnic horror. I'm thinking, um, her name, Veronica Emily Bacchanal, which is a carnival touring the South in the late 30s, but it's all very Afrocentric. And all of the horror is based on African myth rather than American myth or Western demons. This is African, and it's very, very different. Um, I'm thinking Kingdom, and the zombie movie from Korea. Okay, it's a zombie movie, but it's a completely different method of storytelling and a completely different take on the zombie genre. What was the name of the, the book about the, the African carnival? It's uh, Veronica Henley Bacchanal. Uh, yeah, I mean, I, I think we're starting to get to the point now, um, and I, I'm really happy about this. Um, we're starting to see the, the fairy tales from different cultures start to, you know, um, get representation. Um, I've seen a lot of, um, like, really good, um, 
stuff with um, specifically like the Mexican folklore. It's got really good. I mean, oh my God, uh, Issa um, Lopez uh, makes really great movies about that. You know, Guillermo, I think, just sort of opened everybody's eyes and then was able to, you know, give some power to some um, people that could do some of those sorts of stories. Uh, La Llorona, uh, you know, like has been great. Not the, there's been, there's the bad one that was uh, <laughs> a popular one. Uh, but there's one that's streaming on um, Shutter that is amazing. Um, that's like out of Guatemala or Argentina or one of the South American countries. Um, and um, I've really, uh, I've really been seeing a lot of like Indonesian stuff uh, starting to get picked up uh, by you know, streaming services again, because like you know, content's king right now. So like. Um, they're just understanding that there are a lot of people out there that are very talented um, and like uh, coming from like all you know, I just saw this movie out of Uruguay called The Last Matinee. It was amazing. Um, about this 80s set, you know, and it's just um, like a, one of those old like 1800 C theaters, you know, and there's a killer on the loose, you know, and he's like picking off the people that are in this like run down old theater. Um, but like it's you know, got um, all the earmarks of like the Italian classics um, and uh, like the shots and sequences and things like that. Um, and it's really nice to see like these getting an opportunity because like that stuff that went almost completely unnoticed before, you know, if you were like specifically looking for that stuff, it was very hard to find. I mean, it's probably not going to just fall in your lap. And now it can just fall in your lap. <laughs> The, the question you mentioned about that, um, th this doesn't really apply specifically, but in terms of cultural cultural representation in film, and people are going to think I own stock in this movie because I talk about it every time, is His House. Oh, yes. Absolutely fantastic. And the way they did the, sen the sense of isolation of being kind of an unwanted immigrant in a new country and really having nobody to turn to when all these supernatural things start to happen. Absolutely fascinating. Just one of my favorite movies of the past ten years, probably. And the fact that the supernatural stuff is all based in African culture, so it's right. not stuff we're used to, right? right. That we get all the time, and, and it's just it, it's so well done. It's, it, it's amazing how right, well done right. that film was. Yeah. Um, and then, I mean, you've seen uh, I can't remember her name, but I mean, she's now been in Lovecraft Country and Loki. She's great. Um, like I want her to be in everything. Um, I forget her name. Feel a little embarrassed about that, but yeah, she, that's where she sort of got her break, and then all of a sudden now she's everywhere, mm -hmm. rightfully so, because she's amazing in that movie. Um, and it really gives the sense of like that law, the loss of, of your culture, right? You know, like being picked up and dropped somewhere else, you know, and like everything that was, um, you know, uh, usual to you is now gone, right? You know, um, like that's that's got to be terrifying. Like, imagine if you just got dropped in some country, you didn't speak the language, you didn't know the culture, what do you do? And you weren't wanted there. Yeah, you weren't wanted. People don't want you there, you know? They're like telling you to your face, they yes. don't want you there, you know? Um, yeah, I mean, that's like, this goes to show like the lack of empathy for, you know, a lot of different things and like not being able to just sort of see um, these very, you know, like assigning humanity to people almost is, you know, what it sort of boils down to. 
Um, but yeah, no, I agree. Big House, amazing film. That's on Netflix if you guys want to watch it. What else, guys? Hmm. Um, when you were talking about um, rehashing old things, isn't that one of the main complaints about Hollywood? Is they don't want to invest anything, and the big difference was writers were different. Are you or books? Are you saying that books are starting that trend also? <laughs> I mean, I, yeah, I feel that's like the they just keep yeah. remaking the same old movies instead of getting new stuff. Well, yeah, but I mean, on the books, so, isn't the fact that self-publishing is so hot, shouldn't mm -hmm. that invigorate the well, stock? Well, it makes, so this is the argument that I make, you know, for like um, all the digital technology, right? It's very easy to make a movie now, right? I wanted to be a filmmaker my whole life. Right. And like when I was growing up in the 80s, it's ridiculously expensive and like I just had no resources to do so forget it, right? Um, now that everything has been uh, very, um, like the, the playing field has been leveled for everybody, right? Like I can use the same tools that they use in Hollywood to make my stuff and make right. it look just as good. And there's been some so, really great movies. There have. Yeah, there have been yeah. some really great things that have come out of that, right? Um, and that just... Um, ingenuity and that can-do attitude, you know, like it reminds me of the way that like Sam Raimi was for Evil Dead, you know, like putting a camera on a two by four and they're just running and like lifting it up like that. And it's such an effective, amazing camera shot that just gives you this feeling of like being displaced and like, you know, this following this evil spirit or whatever, you know, and I love that, I love that. The problem is, is that um, everybody now can do that, and so like there's just this glut of content, and so like it makes it very hard well, to stand out. Yeah. <laughs> well, it is a problem if it's a trying to market it, you know. And so like I'm sitting in a room full of writers right now that are trying to market their stuff, and how do you, how do you stand out? And so like that's where the real question is now. It's well, not really the because yeah. you can rehash everything, right? That's fine. People are going to do it for. Well, old competition and. What gets sold helps bring the cream to the top? No, no, it just gets lost in the flood. Are you saying that the people, when they choose, they choose poorly? Oftentimes, <laughs> yes. <laughs> um, I, I mean, I would throw in one of the biggest things I see as a screenwriter is what you give money to the week that it comes out. And so when everybody's going to Jurassic Park 42 and nobody's going to some small movie. Yeah. What that tells the studios is, oh, there's no money in that. Yeah. Right. But if we make Jurassic Park 43, everyone will be there. But now we can kind of cut out the studios, which was his I mean, you can and you can't, because like the, it's nice, but like the studio also has all of the other pieces, the distribution and the marketing and the, the PR people and you know all the things that make it very easy to get your stuff in front of people. Right. Mega right. right. Yeah. But, you can but make the money, but getting anybody to is, see it is another thing altogether. Right. Well, what I love though is there's so many avenues. There's Netflix, Amazon. Sure. It, I mean, there's a bunch more than there ever was. It's not just the three ABC, NBC, CBS, and movies. Sure. But the people making decisions in those rooms are not like the people making. They're still going to be choosing what's going to be on ESPN. Mm -hmm. That's the issue. Yeah. Um, and so, like, yeah. there is the opportunity to take more chances, you know, and, like, 
It's not, I mean, it's good and bad, right? So, like, we're getting squid games because of this, right? right. You know, um, so I'm not saying it's all bad, but what I'm saying is that, like, it's just, you, like, open the dam and all the water comes, flip, you know, rushing out, and, like, how do you get seen when everything is just rushing past you at a thousand miles an hour? Well, that's because it's the big chain. I mean, it's always going to, I mean, I don't like the idea of the big change only because, like, there's always the big change, right? Every 20 years, technology changes. But this is huge. I mean, it's just moving faster. I don't think that it's huge. I think it's just, like, it doesn't sit still like it used to. You know, like, it used to be you had 10 years to sort of get used to the idea, and now it's like, you have 10 minutes to get used yeah. to the idea, you know? And you better get on board, because, like, it's, the wave is not going it, to... But everything is safe. Yeah. <laughs> well, we can probably just gonna comment on that because it's not is there content there? It's not even is there excellent content there? It's you got a tsunami of content, yep. and you're trying to pick out the stuff that maybe just you individually like. There's so much noise. The signal noise ratio is so high mm -hmm. that finding the signal is what's hard. I don't have yeah, your stuff yeah. in front of eyeballs. Well, right. that's true, but as a consumer, I love the fact that I have all that to choose from. I have to do more work, but it's there. I, uh, but, like, but then there's also the issue where yeah. you're scrolling through Netflix for half an hour looking for something new or interesting, and finally you're just like, let's hit rewatch. Yep. Yeah. <laughs> you know? I mean, I don't have enough time to watch everything that I want to watch, yep. right? Let like alone the things that I want to try and like the things that people like, you know, I just, I have this list. I joke about this all the time, you know, like my list just keeps getting bigger and bigger stuff that I need to watch, right? And they're like, well, what are you gonna do? And I'm like, I'm gonna die with a huge list of stuff I haven't watched, you know, because like I just don't have time to do it. Um, because like I've watched Texas Chainsaw Massacre over a hundred times. That's a literal <laughs> number. That is not a figurative number. Um, well, that's so, why you don't have any time to watch something. <laughs> You'd be surprised. You, you just got to be good about, you know, multitasking and compartmentalizing things and stuff like that. But, um, but like, yeah, I mean, I just don't, I don't even have the time to, like, watch the stuff that I want to watch. And so, like, I mean, it's, it's a good and bad problem to have, but, like, um, there's a lot of stuff that's not getting the attention that it should because of that. So It sounds kind of like the... The movie industry is having the same problem that the indie author industry is having. That there's discoverability, but what I think what is missing, it seems, is the. And I hate to bring up Amazon, but the Amazon concept of people who watch this also like like that, mm -hmm. that that also bought kind of concept. It doesn't sound like that exists for movies yet, even on. Netflix and, and the other streaming services. Uh, I don't know. I mean, is I that true? I, the algorithm might exist. Is. There, is, yeah. there is an algorithm at least on, I think, on Netflix yeah. where it says yeah. because yeah. you watch whatever yeah. and it gives you yeah. very similar yeah. to the Amazon. Yeah. 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 Yes. Yes. Yeah. Uh, I feel like even getting ones that have more marketing power. Well, it, it, it's an algorithm too. It's also just because you know you watched the same movie I did and then watched another movie doesn't mean that falls into the same thing I want to see. So it's it's it is an algorithm, but it's also subjective at times. And the algorithm is weighted. Yep. Exactly. Who made it? You know, it's a Netflix exclusive. Oh, it's gonna be weighted higher. Right. True. 
lots of primal fear. So, yeah, I mean, I think the, there's a primal fear of mutilation or body dysmorphia or whatever you want to call it. And, yeah, I mean, it, there's, it's hard to do that, I think, at least without making it a total gross out. But there was a film called The Perfection. I think it came out yeah, a couple of years ago. And it wasn't really the fear of the mutilation, but the aftermath of the mutilation. Yeah, it would, which I don't know if anyone has seen that film, but it is, it fascinates me what they've done with that. Yeah, you should definitely watch that. Yeah, there's definitely a lot of those sort of like mutilation ones. So I think it's sort of like starting to transition into like the gender fluidity, you know, sort of question that's kind of happening right now. Um, and uh, I'm seeing that as being a um, like a topic that is getting addressed more than I would have anticipated, um, which I, I find interesting. Um, but like I'm also like a, you know like a cishet you know white guy, so like <laughs> my opinion on that might not matter as much. So, um, but I do think that that's sort of interesting to see like how. The next generation sort of steps into those things because it seems like this next generation is very quickly related. So, very well, if you were talking horror, to me, the horror would be unwillingly placed in a dysmorphic condition. Um, so, I'm, you know, I'm not trans, yeah. but somehow I'm forced into it. Uh, well, that to me would be. Difficult. There's this movie that just came out called Titan, Titan, or I don't know, it's French. Uh, it's the same director who did Raw, um, which was a movie about cannibalism that's very good. That's on Netflix, I think, right now. Um, or Shutter. It's on one of the streaming services right now, for sure. Um, they re released it because Titan was coming out. And um, like it has some of that gender, you know, politics and body dysmorphia and like a non sort of like. Not in the way you're sort of describing where it's forced, but where it's sort of like a, it seems like it's a natural sort of progression. And um, I was sort of interested to see how that was sort of like, I, I would love to see like more just, I mean, like I don't know anything about it, or you know, I'm very limited on what I know about it, you know, just from like um, experiences with like people that are, you know, that way. And so, um, you know, I always want to, continue to keep myself open to other uh, cultures and experiences and you know other people's experiences and so like I'm always interested to see that stuff and I'm starting to see it. It seems like any sort of change that is out of your control just that loss of control is, right. is one thing that's always going that's to always be there. Yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah. So whether it, it's gender, whether you know, race, who knows? Uh, you know, there are all sorts of things that could be happening. I always deal with that sort of thing, where changes are, are happening and, and uh, the entire race has no control over it. They're just happening. How right. Deal with it. Yeah, some, some of the topics, honestly, they're, they're very difficult to write about because, you know, to your point, I don't have great experience with transgender or the yeah. feelings that go along with that or so what qualifies me to write about it and you know people do come under fire for mm -hmm. e either misrepresenting yeah. those 
you know, the that whatever group we're talking about, mm -hmm. or just flat out being accused of well, why are you even writing about that? It's not you. And yeah. So I, I think a lot of people tend to stay away from it. Yeah. Well, okay. here's my my. That's a good thing to research. My thinking. You are a fiction writer. I, I understand that. Yes. It is your. But a lot of people do not. Mm -hmm. Your it's job. They call that cultural appropriation. Yeah. yeah but it, but it, it, but it's, it is in 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 one hand I can understand the, the cultural appropriation thing, but when you're talking that to me is more like indigenous peoples. Okay? And and when you're talking gender and and trans, I don't think it's appropriating. I think it's trying to put yourself in their place sure. and trying to imagine it. And now I'm not trans so I can't say this, but if I were to read a book, if I was trans and I were to read a book that I felt fairly did a, a decent job of this, I don't think I would be angry about it. I think I would be happy that at least someone is trying not only to, to tell the way I feel, but to share it with other people. So in a lot of ways, I don't understand the anger involved. But what if they do it wrong? Well, that's the thing. It's like, uh, if, it's, if, it's, if, it's, if it's poorly it's done, done, you know, it's I can understand that rather than spend your time as long as you're going over and over something yeah. that's already been done and it's been done wrong, how about looking for someone who's doing it right? Right. You can't change the fact that it was done wrong. So move forward, not backward. Yeah. Well, but, but if you make it a horror, isn't that... Well, this, this is why horror works hurt. very well, you know, as an allegory. And that's why I think you can talk about some of these more, you know, dicey topics through horror in a way that, you know, you couldn't in, like, a straightforward movie. That movie that I was just talking about, Titan, there's no way that, like, it, if it's not, like, a fantasy horror movie, this just can't have that movie. It just doesn't work. Um, and so, um, like, I think that, you know, it's about how you sort of talk about it um, and, like, being respectful. I don't I don't think that there's necessarily, um, you know, I don't think the brushback is necessarily that people are including those sorts of characters in their work. I think that it's the poor representation right. of those yeah. characters that they're upset about. Mm -hmm. And so I don't think that it's, you know, like, I think, you know, minorities or like um, people that have a different sexuality would love to see more representation in like, you know, what is sort of considered like the more mainstream, you know, culture. And it's starting to work its way in, right? So I'm not saying that it's not, things aren't happening, but like, um, it's gotta be like the right way. So like if they're you know portraying it in like sort of an unflattering or like an unrealistic light, like that I can understand how they'd be very upset about that. Yeah. We're gonna have a whole panel on that tomorrow on cancel culture uh, and its effect on science fiction or, or lack thereof, because that's you know that's where you get to the point where you did it not exactly perfectly, therefore you're you're hateful and we're going to to attempt to destroy you sort of thing. And that's that's dangerous. Tough line to walk. You well, know, like if you're gonna do those sorts of topics, you better tread lightly or you know, be very 
very well uh, informed on the topic that you're doing, you know, so that you can make sure that you're not yeah. misrepresenting it. Yeah. But even, even if you think you've done that, there's always that, that risk of that, that one group that's going to get furious and try to try to nuke you over it, and, and you know they they'll get the attention from the it may get to the, the, the traditional media. It may just be running around on social media. Come to my moral panic talk yes. tomorrow. Yeah, we'll talk about that tomorrow. Yeah, these uh, these are all related. Totally. Mm -hmm. Yeah. We got like five, six more minutes here, guys. What else? So I mean, this one's probably a bit of a niche audience, but in terms of the primal terror that a lot of people do feel, it's the guilt and loss of the caregiver. So a caregiver who's taking care of someone who they love, but who is dying and how they feel when that actually happens. Because, you know, to an extent, there's a relief when it happens. And you can explore that in horror in such a way that, you know, how, how do people react? Like, well, what do you mean you're relieved? Like, which also comes into play in the perfection. Mm -hmm. yeah. <clears throat> or flip that around, and the, the caregiver is the one who's the problem. Mm -hmm. And I know you're thinking it's being taken. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, yeah, I'm just trying to get a caregiver. I mean, whatever. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, there's a lot of big bad caregivers. That's a pretty common But then we have a person who's a good caregiver, and it actually happens, and then it's like, hey, I'm happy about it. It's time to be over. Right. And how society and people react to that. You know? Yeah. So alternatively, you could yeah. have you could have one of those points where it's a loss of a caregiver, but it's like a good caregiver. So you have the concern of the person who's dependent on them, because then it's not only the loss of you know being able to control the situation; it's the loss of being able to have anyone to rely on. Yeah. yeah. So the loss of the caregiver, is the loss of the, yeah. the people right. right. Yeah. Oh, there was a movie about a, I believe, an autistic man, all about Adam, when his father died, and they worked together, and he almost fell apart because there was nobody around to do that. Yeah, um, kind of maybe going along with that, touching on that, is uh, the breaking of long-established relationships. You know, like the breakup of a marriage that's been going on for two or three decades. You know, there's, a, there's an awful lot of uh, pain and suffering that can be added into it. Sure. Yeah, no, yeah, I... But I don't really see much horror these days in how to deal with, you know, with that kind of... Uh, you see that more dramatic than so much horror. Yeah. 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 I think when, um, like when divorce was still sort of a new idea, you know, in the 60s and 70s, um, I think you'd see more of that sort of, uh, there's a movie called Possession, so it's sort of a really great job of that, um, that finally just got like a 4K release um, that was like cut up in, you know, like in an incomprehensible way for many years. Like I hadn't seen the movie and I didn't even understand it. And then I saw like the real movie and I'm like, oh yeah, it's just there's 50 minutes of it cut out. You know? <laughs> like, yeah, it's gonna make a big difference. You know, they're like, oh, the, the American audience will go for any of this shit. We'll just cut all that out. <laughs> oh, well, the plot that goes along with oh. yeah. yeah. One of the established things that you sometimes see in horror films is uh, 
an authority figure that has been taken over by something that's acting very strange. Yeah, I think that that would happen in this divorce setting. Well, you're just a partner I had for years and years until we interacting with groups of figures. All right, guys, I'm sorry, but I have to go. I'm going to get to the autograph session. Yeah. And I don't know if we're going to have any groups there or not. It's right out from all the three desks. Yeah, right out Thank you for listening to the Creative Play and Podcast Network. And feel free to enjoy our other shows, such as D&D Journey of the Fifth Edition and Scion Ragnarok and Roll, a Scion hero to Ragnarok story. Thank you for listening.